everybody welcome back to the edge and flow podcast tj schwartz here with my co-host lucas burnley we uh we're excited to talk about parenting and how that fits in with being an entrepreneur if you if you call it that and uh a knife maker or a machine shop owner or whatever someone might be. Uh, we, we both have young kids and we've been working on how that balance, you know, plays out. And it's funny because well, it doesn't balance. Just, yeah, exactly. It, it just what, 24 hours ago, we tried to record this podcast. We got 11 minutes in and it's not parenting related, but I had a, an AC guy call me because holy cow, we, uh, we've had our AC out for three days and we're trying to get a hold of them. Their system's down. He calls me and tells me he's three minutes away from my house during our podcast. So we were like 11 minutes in. So we're, we're jumping back into it, but we, we had that little refresher. It's kind of like the yeah. lost episode. Well, I think that's we, kind of it. That's kind of indicative, right? I mean, of, of a lot of the stuff that we're experiencing right now, which is, I think most times we're, we're feeling like work is our priority, hmm. but there are, these immovable objects, which are our relationships with our kids and the schedules and timelines around them that can just come in in a second and mm-hmm. pull you off task. Right. right? I think in which those 11 minutes, yeah. <laughs> I think we talked, we did go over how the ancient Egyptians built the pyramids, Right. Yeah. but that's, you know, I'm done talking about that. We don't need to do that anymore. I think we talked about, what was it? The existence of aliens and uh, like who we voted for yeah, in proof. every election. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, we'll move don't on to re- parenting. Don't need to yeah. rehash that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, yeah. I mean, this is this is an interesting period of time. I mean, kind of for both of us. Right. So I've got a five year old and a two year old and you have a four and a half, five month old and a two and a half year old. Yeah. So like we're we're kind of like fully in it right now. Yeah. Um, I've spent the majority of my adult life, like working kind of unencumbered, um, my own schedule. Uh, I work a lot. Work is like a passion kind of obsession type of deal and figuring out how to fit that in, uh, in the framework of a family and family life and like our relationships with our spouses and our kids. Um, man, it's a, it's a learning process, huh? Oh, it's a project. It's, and it changes because, you know, you go from one kid to two kids and then as kids grow, they have different needs. I know, like my, my wife, you know, does the whole breastfeeding thing. And so with a baby, it's a little hard for me to get super involved at that age. I mean, I'll, I'll hold him while she's doing whatever she wants to do. But, but then as soon as they get to the age where my daughter, she'll, she's, you know, two and a half and she wants to go ride a bike and my wife's busy. And it's like that, that tear you feel where it's like, I, I know I need to flip parts on the CNC, but she's crying because she wants to go outside and ride her bike. And, you know, it's, it, it's like you want to be rigid because you want to be productive, but at the same time, you know, sometimes you can't well, say like no. It's like discipline, right? Like you yeah. want to be disciplined. And what I think what's happening is the focus of the discipline has to change. It has mm-hmm. to be reframed. Right. So essentially, I think you had, you had said like you're really trying to be out of the shop by 5 p.m. Right. But But you realize that like you need some like, self-care and the ability to like take care of your body. So you're leaving at 4 PM hitting the gym. So you can still be with your family by five. Right. Right. Yeah. I think like self-employed, those are the things that are very easy to just ignore. Yeah. I think compartmentalization is, is helpful for me. My brain does work that way. I don't know if it works for everybody that way, but if I, if I tell myself from a discipline standpoint that at five 
maybe just a, a little bit after five, I'm going to be headed into the house and I'm going to be settling down for the evening. I'm not going to be doing any more work uh, with the kids being as young as they are. And my wife has her hand full all day. You know, it's not the, one of the main things is like, I want to take something off her plate for the evening. Cause that's, right. that's when she gets a little break is when I'm done. Uh, and so compartmentalizing is, is beneficial because it, it partly like from between me and my wife is that there's also an understanding. And so there's less friction right. because if, it, if at five o'clock, if that's kind of an expectation, unless there's some special circumstance, then no one there, you don't have to re-communicate every day. And then, Oh, you know, I'm working longer tonight. She didn't expect it less today. Right. She didn't expect it. You know, there's a certain set of expectations there and it to be pretty rigid about it has been the best way I've found to, to handle it. Yeah. It lets you know, kind of, I mean, yeah, what you're going into and that's just good communication. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Show like shows over the last couple of years have been really difficult for me because I, they always extend past like normal working hours for me. I end up working like seven days a week. Um, and so we're really trying to figure out like, okay, like what is, what does it look like for me to get ready for a show at this point? And it, it's, prep might be two to three times as long as it's always been for me. Mm -hmm. And I've always kind of thrived in that, you know, two month window, there's some anxiety, there's some stress, but it fuels a lot of creativity. It still works that way, but like the cost on the tail end is higher and, and it doesn't affect me. It affects my family. Mm -hmm. So I think those, those kind of ideas where you're, we're just having to reframe and kind of like, man, refigure out things that have worked for a long time. Like, how do they work now? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and one of the things is I've, I'm like you, I was pretty unencumbered for a lot of years, better part of a decade before getting married and having kids when I was running my business. And one of the things I would find is I would have days that were less productive and then days where I would get on a hot streak and I would just capture that, that flow state. Like you talk about, and just, I want to go 15 hours. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm not stopping. I'm just going to, you know, squeeze this for every drop of juice while I'm feeling this good. And so not being able to do that with kids is requires a pretty big shift in like how you approach things. Because if if you wait until you get flow state or whatever, and then it's like two o'clock in the afternoon, it's not going to work the way it does when you're able to work till two in the morning. You know what I mean? So you have to, how are you, how are you dealing with that right now? Have you uh, figured out like a solution for me? I think strategy with, motivation is important because I think motivation gets this rap of being elusive and it's something that's like you can't put your finger on and you can't capture it and stuff. I don't know if that's true. I think it it can be like cultivated and created. And I think it starts with, you know, how you wake up in the morning, when you wake up in the morning, what you do right when you get out of bed, there's that, you know, the talk, uh, I think it's Admiral McRaven. He's this Navy SEAL who gave the make your bed speech you know, mm-hmm. and it, it's we're a metaphor like morning routine. Yeah. He's not literally talking about making a bed. He's talking about right. do something productive the second you wake up and feel good about it. And I also read a, a book called the motivation motivation manifesto, which had the mm-hmm. same premise, which is motivation breeds motivation. So if you're waiting for it, it's not going to come. And well, so that's why there's all these classic tropes too, right? Like object in motion stays in motion. Like that, that is mm-hmm. a prime example of this idea of like you get up, you start moving you have your, your routine, your ritual, though, those are things that you, those are not problems that you have to solve every day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you're starting off with, with momentum. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and one of the things too, is 
Like, cause I've, the way I've approached it is I, I have really bad brain fog when I wake up in the morning. Like I just, I've always been really mentally groggy when I wake up, just really, really groggy. And until I start getting coffee on board and that starts to hit, it's, it's always been a challenge. And so I'll wake up really early in the past and I would do that and I would get on that schedule of waking up with my sleep schedule. I'd have it all dialed, but I get up and I feel like I couldn't really put my mind to a task and it, it just mm-hmm. felt shaky in the mornings. And so I started reading first thing. And when I read, it's like, maybe I'll read that very first page right when I wake up and I don't even remember it and I'll like reread it. And then after I start reading, then I, like maybe for five minutes, I'm kind of rereading paragraphs. And then, mm-hmm. you know, 30 minutes later, I'm fully, you know, engaged and I'm reading and I'm enjoying it. It's, you know, a book I'm interested in. And it's like an exercise, a mission to like wake my brain up. And then once I feel like I've got that behind me, then the day just rolls and it feels really, really good. And then once once I roll, then the odds of getting a productive day finished before 5 p.m. is much, much higher. Whereas if it's a little bit shaky and you're trying to wait for that that catch where things like the spark happens right. and you really get productive, for some people it's in the afternoon. I used to be that way. Yeah. But I've had to like create an environment where that's earlier, where that that real big surge of energy and motivation happens earlier. Well, I think, I think that is part of it too, right? Which are, are these expectations of time. And you, you had kind of touched on it earlier, which is this idea of, of like the creative spark or, or inspiration. I forget what, you know, it's like one of the quotes that just always floating around, but like the idea that, you know, um, what is it? Inspirations for amateurs, mm-hmm. like the rest of us just go to work. Mm-hmm. I think there's a part of that, that is pretty relevant to any creative process, which is it's different to, it's different to wait for the spark than to just begin. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but I noticed that depending on what I get wrapped into early in the day, like I know that I'm always going to have like a four hour block that I can focus minimum. Right. If I start off with the most valuable work in that time, like the rest of my day is better throughout. If I, if I like get, get into the shop and like start answering emails, my whole day slides. But right. if like I just go into the grinding room or I fire up the CNC or start doing design work, it's enough that it like just jump starts that yeah. part of my brain and I'm in it, mm-hmm. you know? But like you said, now I don't have 14 hours of it. I might have six yeah. or, or eight. And some of this too is also like you had mentioned machine shop owners when you have employees, I think there's a, there's a difference too, because the, some of the work continues on past right. you. Right. Whereas like where we're at right now, it's kind of like you stop working, the work stops working. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it's, it's been a good project for me. One of the, I think we're, we're talking about parenting as it applies to the business, but I think you know, this conversation about compartmentalizing the business work really is the foundation of how I view the parenting side. Because Mm -hmm. once I have the time available and the free mind space, parenting is just a natural thing for me. You know what I mean? Like it's something I enjoy. So it's like going and taking care of the kids. But if you can bookend the business work and have it be really productive to where you don't feel guilt walking away from it, I think you've already won at that point. But yeah, it, I would, I would agree. The, the idea that like what you've done today is, is enough. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's huge. I struggle with that mm-hmm. a lot. And it's, if I leave the shop feeling that way, 
it affects like my interactions with my yeah, family afterwards. Cause I'm exactly. not, I can't like fully be present. I'm stressed about something that I left or didn't get done or, or like feel like I should have accomplished. And that's like worthless. Yeah. And there's, yeah. it's done. The day is done. Like I'm much better off being fully engaged with my family than like worrying about the work that I didn't get done. Like yeah. it's going to be there tomorrow. Exactly. But yeah, it's, there's hard habits to break. Yeah. Trying to get, yeah. Flip those switches when you need to, it, yeah. it's important. And one, one thing that I found that I'm still struggling with, this is probably my biggest hurdle is if I have my rhythm figured out, you know, I get up, I read, drink coffee, I maybe stretch or do something. My wife's usually up, kids are up. I, I talk to him at least for a minute, maybe have a little bit of coffee with my wife and then I get in the shop. And then my issue is I, I'm, I have to often leave the house at some point to do errands and it's something about leaving the house and like mixing the day up or breaking the day up. Even if it's like a one hour thing or like a two hour thing, I go out and do something, meet, meet a couple people, do a few things business related and come back. And it's like, man, it, it just, the disruption factor of leaving the shop. I yeah. haven't mastered. I don't know. I don't well, know what to do there. So there's a, there's a couple things that I've done over the years. Um, like working at home for so long, like I used to do a reverse commute, which is going to go kind of against what you just said. But the idea that like I'm starting off in the shop, I know I'm going to be there all day. So I would go out and I would start my day like at a coffee shop. Um, and I used to go to this coffee shop where like there's a, there a group of guys that all sat around and like kind of talked. I would have my breakfast and then I would go to work. And it, mm-hmm. and it, at that point, you know, it was just me. Like, so I knew I was, wasn't going to see people for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. it worked awesome moving forward. Yeah. Right. So reverse commute, helpful, a little bit of social interaction, kind of like, you know, wake up, whatever, read the news, move on. At this point, I know that throughout the course of my day, I'm going to have more interaction with people. So that's where that like four hour window comes in where it's like, if so basically like my morning starts, like I wake up probably like five, 15, 530 usually, um, depending on the day, the, the one thing that I do every day is I stretch. So I do like a 15 minute, like stretch huge helps my body, like feel like trash. If I don't do it, um, I drink like a bunch of water. So I do like a 16 ounce water, I stretch, and then I do five minutes of journaling. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's, that's awesome. kind of the every day. And then some days I'll surf, some days I'll go to the gym. When I come back, the goal is just to go straight to work. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that four hour. So I know that someone's going to call on the phone. I'm going to respond to an email. And from that point forward, it's going to degrade. But if I can get that four hours, I've kind Mm -hmm. of figured that out as like that almost makes the day. Yeah. Which sounds crazy. But I mean, it also ties into this idea of like the eight hour workday as like a construct of the industrial revolution. Like there's some stuff in there where it's like if you can get four good focused hours that's pretty good. Yeah. Especially from a creative standpoint with the way we, we design and that being a big part of our business. Yeah. It's, I've, I've talked to friends about that before that it's almost like if three months of whatever you're doing leads to a a spark that creates something like, let's say you invented the speed safe, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's like you could retire on that design. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's a, it's, there's a duality to it because like I said, there's a, there's a, an aspect of it that's like compartmentalization focus, not waiting for inspiration, but at the same time, the self-care thing comes in where it's like, if you 
take time off and you do things that are like cathartic, it can like then you in a way you you're kind of trying to cultivate uh, motivation and inspiration, but in a little bit different way. Like you're waiting for it. Like maybe it's a long term game. Like maybe if I go backpacking, like I'll have some thoughts. Maybe I won't. And so that is a little bit of a pivot from what we were just talking about. But I think that's also important. Well, I think I think that's like this is long game, right? Mm. I think 100 percent necessary. And that I think it works both on the parenting side and on the on the business slash creative side. Right. Which is like there's no machine that if you run it at 100 percent all the time is going to like do better. Mm hmm. I mean, a a human, especially like we're not meant to run that way. Like, I think you have to create space. So it's like, if, if your entire existence is in the work of work, not, you don't have, you actually don't have a chance to like reassess or grow past or have certain types of thoughts. I think if you don't give yourself those like intentional breaks Mm -hmm. and, and I'm seeing like, I had never spent a lot of time around kids. Um, and I'm kind of an introvert. So realizing like, oh, my kids are still, like, they're still people and I still need like recharge time away from them. Mm-hmm. And it starts to become like a quality versus quantity scenario. Like I know that if I have some time away, I'm a better parent, um, mm-hmm. arguably better partner. In the past, I knew that about work. So these are the things that like with kids we're we're having to like integrate, right? Which is your, your overall like time pie, it, the sections get small, Mm -hmm. right? So you being able to like get back on task. So it used to be that if I was in that hyper-focused like production mode, I might end my day and then still be able to go into like design work and still hook into that like flow state and Mm -hmm. and move forward. At this point, I can't do that. Like I'm going to get one thing. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's kind of, it feels counterintuitive to give yourself intentional periods of not working or self care or like time away, but I think it improves the overall system, right. Which is like kind of what we're talking about. And, and there's also an aspect of like, I think there's, there's a, a view that stepping away from work means that you should do, you should just totally relax, which is Mm -hmm. fine. There's some, there's, there's an importance in that too, but I think there's something also to doing something hard that isn't involving the hard things you're dealing with at work or in a parenting situation. Right. So for example, you know, hiking, backpacking, I know you're a surfer, like things that are difficult that really like stretch your mind and your body and make you just like, you have to feel, you have to get over a hump in some way, even though it's time away, it is recharging, at least for me. Right. Because like having a big victory that is completely unrelated to what you're working on just brings you this new confidence. And it's such a departure from what you were focused on before that it feels like you, it was rest, even though it wasn't at all, you know, from like, right. And I would say that's, that's probably like a case by case basis. Like you mm -hmm. and I probably have some of that, like, um, yeah, that desire for like placing yourself into somewhat difficult situations. Right. We find personal growth in that. As I've gotten older, I have worked to allow myself to do nothing. Like right. there's times where I'm like, no, like it could be, I think it's, there's like an anxiety component where I want to be busy. 
And sometimes like doing the hard thing is it, it like scratches that same itch. So it's like, for me, I think there's value in being able to like fully throw it into neutral. Right. Um, for me with the kids, that's like, like a prime example of this would be like, I'm going to hang out with the kids this evening. And then I'm like, oh, but I'm also going to like organize this closet or like try to fix something in the house or like clean where it's like my brain is looking for something to be busy with. Yeah. Instead of just like hanging out and like reading and playing games with my kids. Yeah. I think doing nothing is something that I, I have a very hard time doing. And I think is probably something I should get better at. And uh, I mean, even just in conversations with my, my wife, she'll notice it. You know, it's like, finally, there's an hour where nothing's happening. The kids are asleep and my brain just goes, oh, I got to go put a sprinkler out or oh, I'm going yeah. to go do this or I'm going to call my dad. I was going to ask him about something, you know, and it's like, that's not something that I do well is just be a little bit idle and just yeah. introspect or spend time. Yeah. Without, send an email like, oh, uh, I got to take a note, like whatever it is. Yeah, that that's something that's a great point. It's it's something I know I'm I know I do and I've always leaned into it because I've always like used it as a power as like that I don't sit still that I'm always going to do something and I think it, it is beneficial but I think leaned into too much it's maybe the opposite, you know. Well, and I would I would just almost pose like the challenge that it is difficult like doing nothing and being present is difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that, so you're like, okay, we like doing things that are difficult and like there's value in that. And you're like, well, that's really hard just to like be present and sit still. Yeah. You know, I, I think too, as, as this relates to parenting, um, I think it ties in with this idea that like for myself, like seeing like how busy some kids are, like my kids don't always need to be like crazy scheduled with all kinds mm-hmm. of activities yeah. Like sometimes they can just hang out and like being bored and like figuring it out. I think there's actually a yeah. huge amount of value in that. Like not being you know? overstimulated and yeah. Being able to see the world that's immediately around you rather than having to go out and see be fed, even if it's something that's healthy and cool, like a museum or a water park, it's like, yep. or activity or, or yeah. what, like we, we had Bo in jujitsu. We started him in jujitsu and what it, it was right after he would get out of school. And what we saw was like, he was coming home from school and he's tired, right? Like Mm -hmm. he's been playing all day and he, I mean, he's just turned five. You put him into a jujitsu class and it's like a structured environment that's hot (laughs) and hard. And you're like this, we're watching him just kind of like squid around and like roll on the floor and like not fully connected. We're like, this is not for right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's not what he needs. He needs to be able to just like come home, hang out. Like he goes in his room, draws and like plays Legos and stuff. And I was like that he's recharging. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's amazing talking about parenting is what you can learn looking at your kids about yourself. You know what I mean? Because they're little, little humans that obviously have a part of your brain in them. And so it's like the things that they're learning about themselves, you kind of forget that you once learned or maybe didn't, you know what I mean? Right. And so that that's an interesting side of parenting for sure. Well, and, and craft too, I think to, like, or, or make like you, you think entrepreneurship sometimes, I think it relates, I think being a maker in different or creative in different elements, but I think I want to be really careful what I teach my boys about like what that means. 
if they get out of the house and they are like, they think that their entire value is based around like the things that they make and the hard work that they do. I don't feel like I will have done my job. Mm -hmm. Like that's not why I make, but I realize that that's what I'm modeling a lot of times. Like, yeah, you know, this, like, it's like a workaholic mentality and I'm like, okay, this is, this is like a backwards thought process. So it's, man, it's crazy how like intertwined the two things are. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, the idea of setting an example of being a hard worker, but not to the detriment of, you know, their vision on how to operate in that. Oh, like working in the face of all other things in life, instead of like addressing other problems or, you know, spending time with the kids, maybe it's noon and they're playing in the sprinkler and you go out and play with them. Like it, like I said, it's a balance of not looking, not being a workaholic, but displaying hard work attributes that I think are incredibly valuable. And absolutely that's like in a healthy version. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we, we had touched on the, like the, when we were talking about being self-employed, which is like building a flexible system only matters if you're flexible. Right. If you build this system that's flexible to where you can go outside, literally go outside and play with your kids in the sprinklers, but you right. never do it you didn't create a flexible system. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, and one thing I'd like to do eventually it's they're, they're too young for this, but I grew up with my dad being working from home, self-employed doing the maker type lifestyle. And I remember it was always an open door policy. So it's like, I could just go to the shop anytime. Like I would, I would, there's days where I'd spend probably, he'd be out there for eight, 10 hours. And I was probably out there five of those hours dinking around doing something, you know, and so what age, what age did that like start for you? Oh, really young. I mean, well before kindergarten, but it's pretty good. Not but, a lot of, not a lot of like our shops are a little bit different. That's what I was going to say is yeah. he had the benefit of being a leather shop. Whereas like, as long as he kept the knives and the sh- pokey things out of the way, like, what are you going to do? Then the do- I'd play with the dogs because the dogs were in the shop and yeah. stuff. But with a CNC and an air compressor and stuff, it's like, it, that does make me think, though, that creating a child-friendly shop is something maybe I should think about, maybe in, or maybe a certain portion of the shop or something like that. I don't even know if it's child... Like, well, okay, two thoughts. I see where you're going with that. I think it's it's almost like teaching your kids about anything dangerous, mm-hmm. right? There's respect that, that comes into play, and there's like age ranges where that starts to make sense. So it's mm-hmm. like you can't expect a kid who's three to have like a high level of like self control and understanding. Yeah. yeah. Um, or like don't push, there's just the brains aren't wired for that. They're too curious. Yeah. Like Bo at five now, like I'll, I will literally be like, all right, man, like we went to, we went to Overland Expo this weekend. I'm like, we had the talk when we we're going in. I was like, all right, like a lot of these things are special to people, the things that they either built or they're selling look with your eyes. And if you want to touch something, you have to ask. And like, we'd walk around and I would just see him like the hand would start moving. Yeah. yeah. And I'd be like, Hey Bo, what did we talk about? And like, at one point I had like a song, he's like undoing like a, a knot on someone's like tent. I'm like, he's just curious, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. that happens in the shop and like there can be catastrophic injury. Yeah. You yeah. know, but well, I, so I guess where I was going with, I'll wrap it up. But like, the idea of bringing them in like with Bo, I used to let him come in and when I would be starting cycles on the CNC and I'd be like, all right, you're going to like push the green button. Mm-hmm. And he loved it. He's got his little, he's got a little set of headphones or like earmuffs. 
So we come in, he puts on his earmuffs, his safety glasses, and then he can like interact and hang out for a little while. That's awesome. Um, and now we're doing the same thing with Winston. That's great. Yeah, no. Delta loves watching the CNC machine. She, yeah. I'll bring her out there. The biggest thing right now is I've got a beast of a just piston air compressor in a small, small shop, and it's just deafening. Like it, it like shakes the whole foundation of the whole house virtually. So weird. Off-topic question: what, How many gallons your air compressor? Sixty. Sixty gallon. Yeah. So I just I had a compressor die. I just got a new Kaser. Got delivered. My, my compressor died the day before and like hooking up a Kaser is kind of a process. So I grabbed one from Harbor Freight. Super quiet. That's what mine Works is. great. Inexpensive. Yeah. Central pneumatic. Yeah. It's a, I That's think what, it's a central pneumatic. It's ba- yeah. It like looks like the California air tools, but it's like a, I don't know if it's a scroll type, but it's quiet. Yeah. So mine is, but I got it used because I was looking at some other ones and this is a big tangent, but this one popped up like the guy bought it and had it for like a year in a shop and never even turned it on. Never. He never right. even got it wired. So I got it like half off, but it's a three cylinder piston, six, 60 yeah. gallon, but it's so freaking loud. I mean, I, yeah. I bought rubber feet for it because there's gravel behind my shop on dirt. So it's just gravel on dirt standing on the gravel on dirt <laughs> next to the house. You can feel it through your feet when that compressor would kick on through the like four inches of gravel. I don't, yeah. I don't know how it is able to do that, but I put it on rubber feet. So a screw or rotary style, something or other, that's probably the biggest barrier for me for having like a kid friendly shop because yeah. my shop's actually not a dangerous place right now. Cause the CNC is one thing where it's like, if you're not inside of it, you know, it's not, it's not, it's and not the buttons the, are high. Like they're not, yeah. you know, Delta's not going to climb up and like yeah. get in it. Yeah. You know, it's like, so. like table height tools. And right. we're not wood shops either. So it's not like they're going to walk up to a table saw. Well, you have a table saw. You uh, know? yeah, it's not, I store it though. So, so it's it. not, yeah. But I, but I think like that as a process moving forward, it's another thing to remember to, to kind of include our kids yeah. in, um, and just kind of like letting them be in the environment, bringing them around, letting them do like little jobs, um, like I brought Bo out, like I made a, a base for my surface grinder coolant tank. Mm-hmm. It's like, cool, I'm painting. Well, I'm like, my four-year-old can paint. So like you bring him out, hang out in the shop and we paint. Yeah. yeah. I think That's we're awesome. a lot of times, at least in my case, I'm so used to doing things myself and just getting the way that I work, uh, like almost just stuck in my head. I, it's just that I forget to include them. Mm-hmm. So that's like, that's something that I've been working on lately, which is like, oh, like, cool. You could help me like, I don't know, tape things or whatever it is clean. I I think that's, that's an angle that I'm, I'm definitely going to work on moving forward. My kids, like my oldest, she's just getting old enough where that actually matters, you know, where she's, I can, she's communicating now. I can talk to her. She's got dexterity. Like she could actually do some little helper things here and there. Mm -hmm. So that's something I haven't really implemented yet, but just taking it from my childhood, that was that was formative because I remember the reason I brought that up initially is we were talking about the workaholic balance. And I would say my dad, it was in the shop like way more than 40 hours a week, right? way more. But I, I never once thought of him as a workaholic. And I think it was because I would walk in there and he'd be like, what kind of music you want to listen to? And he'd put on a song and I'd play and do stuff. And it was like, it didn't feel like he, like that he was distant and gone. You know, it, it was like, well, that's just, that's like his space. And I go in there and then I would leave and he may be putting in 12 hour days for like weeks straight, but I didn't seem to notice, you know, that is 
I mean, your dad sounds like he basically did it about the perfect way, which is one, he was always accessible to you. Right. You always felt included, but at the same time, it's not like you're coming in and being put to work, sweeping floors or like something right. that you're just coming in and playing. Yeah. Making like the, the argument for the, your current timeline, like from his standpoint, like you are very successful doing your own thing. I would, I would have to assume that he's pretty psyched on that and probably had something to do with it. I think so. Yeah. It no replicating the way my dad's lifestyle is, was a huge part of why I did what I did. It was, you know, dropping out of college and stuff. It was like, I just, that was just normal to me. That, that was normal. I I couldn't see it any other way. And my mom never worked full time. She was like part-time or would work from home some and stuff. So I never like a nine to five, I had no idea what it even looked like from the outside mm-hmm. or inside. You know, I just, I didn't understand. Not that I even viewed it negatively. Like I didn't, it's just, I just felt, I just did what I saw done in front of me, you know? Right. Yeah. I would, I would say that I like, I definitely have some elements of the way that I've worked over the years that I, that are, I don't know how to phrase it even like, the influence by my father, mm-hmm. some of them are positive, some of them are, are negative, mm-hmm. but like negative in the way that it made me work very hard, like right, right. to, to accomplish like something different for my family, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like being super inspired by like his level of creativity and like capability. Um, but he, he just, I think there were a lot of areas in his life where he was constantly trying to get like, just struggling to get to like, a stable point. Yeah. And so I think I did that really early. Right. And so, I mean, same thing, prime example, like what are we like, it's so transparent with your kids when they're, when they see the work, Mm -hmm. like we don't, we don't have like a job that is separate where they can't like the conversations at the dinner table, like are a lot of times there's some, some work that comes in, they can come out to the shop and see me. They, they're going to pick up like the overall like vibe of your life. Yeah, for sure. You know? Yeah. It's, it it becomes, it's almost kind of like the, the same mindset or concept of like growing a garden with kids. So they show like, what is a tomato? It's not like the synthesized piece of plastic that tastes good. You know what I mean? Like this is what it comes from or like having a a chicken or something. I I think there's, there's, you know, brilliance in that and showing a kid what that actually is that you're eating. And I think it's the same way with commerce. You know what I mean? Like if you're involved in, in some kind of career that you can show like, this is what money is. This is right. why money exists. This is how I make it. You know, this is what I do with my hands and whatnot. I think it all goes together. Well, even, I mean, you think about how many adults, if you say that you're a knife maker have said like, Oh, I didn't even know that was like a, a job. Like I thought it's like knives are like a product that's made in a factory someplace else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kids are the exact same way, right? Like if you're, if you're able to show them, I think multiple, I don't know, just multiple ways of interacting like with work. I think there's a lot of value in that. Um, so like for me, I will try, I'll try to get my boys to experience like other versions of that too. You know, not just like, oh, this is like how your family works. And like, this is like what it's like to be a maker or, you know, it's, it's tricky. So actually you, you were talking about like, like the growing tomatoes thing, this ties in pretty well. 
Um, so Maddie, Maddie works with me, right? Mm-hmm. But she's also a primary caregiver. So over the last few years, like her role has shifted really hard into like taking care of us as a family. Mm-hmm. And it's super, I think it's super hard for her in certain ways because like, like what we're talking about, right? Like being able to like hook into that part of your brain where you just get into a flow with like Winston wasn't in school, Bo was in school. She'd have like four hours, super hard for her to get into like oh, yeah. a creative flow. Um, and one thing we actually did was we, we, we built like a big garden because it's that same thought process of like creating value and connection for your family. Mm-hmm. So that is actually something that, that she can still do feel productive, include the kids in, and there's value in the kids seeing like where their food's yeah. coming from and like digging in the dirt. Are you guys growing any strawberries? Uh, we're not currently growing strawberries. We've got some. I wonder what they taste like because nice. Delta every day wants to go look <laughs> at it and she gets the two or three ripe ones every yeah. day and I don't even know what they taste like. So <laughs> now that's, yeah. I, I guess that, that kind of goes into the, that flexibility idea too, which is like, man, okay. Like this, this thing is not working. How do we reframe it? How do we adjust it? Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I know it's, and yeah, bringing in that conversation about your wife. Yeah. My, my wife's being the primary caregiver. She's so when we got married, we had Delta not long after. So my wife basically went from her day job to getting married to then becoming the primary caregiver. And so she never, she hasn't yet gotten involved in the business. And I think that day might come, but it'll be, you know, when she has more time after the kids are, you know, entertained by school or preschool or wherever, whatever they end up. Uh, but for now, it, I, I definitely admire the the difficulty of that of the primary caregiver lifestyle. It is like it's a remarkable job. I, I, I mean, mean, for me, it's I, I can't even wrap my brain around it. Yeah, yeah. Like the, to be able for me to be able to come into work, like I realize, like oh man, that's like she gives me the space to be able to like focus in this way. That is, man, I like. It's hard. So right. tying into that conversation, like a lot of what Maddie has done in the past has been like administrative, right? Like, and be- because I have like the knife making skill set. So over the years, like she's super creative and we've tried to figure out ways for her to like have hands on. So she's done anodizing. She's like done bead blasting, but it it's almost like the caregiving thing where a lot of times there's like customers to talk to or like a drop to do the website or photography, photography hits creative a little bit, but it's product photography and it's usually like around a drop. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we just started setting up a leather working area, um, basically specifically for Maddie. So like we got a, like a clicker press mm, nice. and we're bringing, so our friend Joe Wu, um, had scout leather we're bringing in some of those products that we used to purchase from him in house. He's actually here um, this week hanging out and setting her up. And it's like, it's that idea, man of like, okay, we have the flexibility. How do we integrate that into your workflow? Even if your workflow is limited. And then I look at that and I'm like, leather work is something we can also like bring the kids in for. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's not loud. It's not big power tools. Like, Mm -hmm. so it's this, I don't know, I guess it's kind of holistic, but it's something that over the last couple of years has definitely created a lot of stress. Yeah. Um, so you but spent it feels 10, like it's leveling out. 
you spent like 10 to 15 years building your business alone, right? That yes. thereabouts. Yep. How does it feel bringing another person in like your wife, you know, how does it feel? Cause there's a, there's a certain sense of like loss of control and not that that's really what it is. That's a negative way to say right. it, but right. Right. But, like, no, but I understand a, what you mean. How, do, um, how does it feel for you? So let's see. I think it depends on where the help comes in. Right. So I had always, so I had had a woman who worked in the office for like five years for me a long time ago. And I realized at that point I was like, okay, where can I hire that is a skill set that is not like my primary skill set. And then we're not going to be like, I was in a really small shop at the time. Like I worked the shop and then I have help in the office. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've had like people work in the shop where they're parts finishing or, or just doing prep work. Um, and that like, there's, it's almost like you talk about compartmentalization. Mm-hmm. I think that, with a spouse or a partner in some way having compartmentalization where they're able to have autonomy over certain processes because I'm a control freak and I like built this business around everything in my head is, is really important. And, yeah. and, and it's a struggle. We still work on it. Um, but ultimately it's that it goes back to that flexibility thing. So Maddie, Maddie comes from the museum world. Um, she moved to New Mexico. She had a job that kind of transferred from museums into tech, which was she was working at a company that built these like really cool interactive displays um, for museums. Mm-hmm. And when she came on to work with me was when she was pregnant with Bo. Mm-hmm. And we realized we're like, okay, you are at some point, you're going to have to like go on maternity leave or, or things are going to change. And we realized like, okay, you can come, you can work when you want. You can work a few hours a day. If you're feeling crummy, you can not work. You can just be pregnant. Mm-hmm. So it's, it was, it's like super organic. Yeah. Kind yeah. of in that process of just like familial kind of like structure and support it feels, it feels like super old school, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're like, <laughs> like yeah. homesteading or something. Yeah. Just like it, there's work that needs to be done. Who can do the work? We do the work. Right. Right. Yeah. No, it's it. We're, we're still far, finding our way through that. Like I said, cause her time is going to be more free in a couple years and, and that'll, that's yet to be seen how that'll pan out growing up. It was, it wasn't that way. It was like my, my dad, the, the saddle making, the leather work was his domain. And mm-hmm. it was like that, that was like, I think for their marriage, that's like a, an operational tool they had was that it's like, that's his world. And right. so when he walks over there, like that's his world, you know, and she has her world. And so, I think there's a, that's a, can be a good way to do it. And then the, the sharing of the business in a sense can be a good way to do it. And I'm not sure which way we'll go. I don't know. I mean, it's, it seems the, like the beauty is you can try different ways. I've, I've checked in with Maddie a lot of times over the years and have said like, look, if, if this is ever feeling like not what you want to do, or you are, you have an interest that's like outside of our business. Like I would, I fully support her pursuing mm-hmm. that. Right. Yeah. Um, I think as like, as like the primary in the business in a certain way, I see that she is really interested in the creative processes. So mm-hmm. I've tried to help to create space and resources to like, um, to help with that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's like, so we're using like third party logistics. Well, Maddie was doing all the shipping. 
if we can use a 3PL for our shipping, that frees up X amount of time for Maddie to be able to focus on in some other area. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's tricky. It's definitely not without, not without its struggles, but, but again, it's, it's this overall kind of ecosystem that is like at the end of the day, like it's, it provides for a family and it provides for us as like individuals. Um, and hopefully, hopefully provides like a good upbringing for our kids. That's the hope. Are you excited to be brought in for a career day when you're, when your son's older? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess with a group of kids, it's hard. Maybe it might be like harder to explain, but at a dinner party, it's always fun to explain it. So mm-hmm. right, <laughs> should be good. Yeah. You get a, get a lot of interesting looks with the, I'm a, I'm a freelance knife guy, maker, designer. Yeah. Slash. <laughs> Yeah. How do you do that? How do you do that in a career day? I guess I would say you'd have to like frame it in a way that would be like relevant. Like Mm. I make kitchen knives. I don't, I don't know what it would be for a kid. I'm a knifeologist. The reason I asked that question was it, it, it could be illuminating on like how Bo or Winston view you as far as what you do. You know what I mean? How do you feel about how they view what you do at this young age? Bo knows, Bo understands like what we do. Um, and he'll like tell people like my dad's a knife maker. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I actually, at this point in my life, it's pretty easy to talk about with like adults, like what I do, um, mm-hmm. and, and to explain it and frame it in a way when I was younger, it was super hard. Um, I think some of that was just around the insecurity of, like doing my own thing, but not being at a point of success, at least in my own head that I was like super confident about. Um, like I grew up real non-traditional. I didn't go to high school. I got my GED, I didn't go to college. And so I think there's this, there was always this element of like, almost like imposter syndrome or something to be like, Oh, like, you know, I'm self-employed or like I own my own business. And it's like, it just, felt weird to explain. And now I'm like, Mm. Oh yeah, I'm a knife maker. I do design work. And like, I I don't care what anybody thinks. Yeah. But yeah, confidence is, is a big part of it. And, and when, once you, you know, you built, built what you want to build and you're, you're on your, on the up and up and stuff. And it's, it just kind of gives you the credibility of like, you're not just experimenting and struggling. And it's like, no, I actually, this is what I really actually do. It's not just a, a, you know, something I dreamed right. of a week ago or a month ago. Right. Yeah. It's not like a moonshot. Well, yeah. and I think with the kids, that is something that I would try to convey, which is like, if you're doing something and, and it's on your own, like have confidence in that thing mm-hmm. and yeah. like explain it with confidence. Like you're doing it for you, not for other people. Yeah. It doesn't matter what they think. Well, and, and one of the ways that I framed it too is it doesn't matter what it is, knives or, or what have you, but there's so many people on earth. I mean, there's whatever, 8 billion or something, 300 something million in the United States alone. And if you're interested in something and you want to try to make a career out of it, whether it could be extremely odd off the wall, something really niche, but if you're interested in it, there's a really good chance that there's literally millions of people that are also interested in it. I mean, you're probably not quite that unique that you're the only one in the world that thinks that way. And so if you, if you can find that niche and cultivate and get a voice there, there's businesses to be had in 
such small, seemingly small niches, you know? And that's something I think I'd like to convey to my kids is like, just because it's not the petroleum industry doesn't mean you can't have a a real life doing something like that. You know what I mean? There's right. There's, there's worlds that, that you can discover in these fears that you're interested in. Yeah. And, and create yourself and have some control over. Yeah. I think that like, I never, with the boys, I never think about like, Oh, I'm going to bring you into the business. Like you're coming into the family business. Hmm. If they're, if there is a point where they're interested and they want to work with me, I would fully support that. If they never have any interest, like I'm not going to force them to do that. Like I don't need to put, I don't need to put my like kind of goals and aspirations on their shoulders. Mm. Um, and, and with Maddie too, like kind of talking about like, you know, we were talking about like the idea of if, if she ever wanted to do something outside of the business, like that, that I'm yeah. not going to have any say in that regardless, yeah. you know? And that brings up a good point of like legacy. Cause when I look at my business so far, at least the way I view it at, at my age and what I'm doing is that when I retire, if that was the end of shorts knives, I mean, it'd be mm-hmm. cool to have some of my designs with CRKT and such continue beyond that or whatever, but it doesn't bother me. Like the thought of this is what I'm doing and it's not necessarily going to stay after I'm gone. It doesn't, it doesn't really bother me. You know what I mean? Like if, if I have kids that don't want to perpetuate the Schwartz knives brand, it's right. literally has, I just don't care. Like if they want to do it, that's fantastic, but right. I'm okay with it either way. Yeah. Legacy is an interesting concept in general. I feel like as makers, it's pretty cool to be able to have like a tangible good that will outlast you. Yeah. Um, at this point for me, it's actually like the Psypop is the one that I'm, I'm almost most excited about because they're so, it's so simple. They're going to just end up in like kitchen drawers and like, you know, your grandma and grandpa's like little chest of like, I don't know, jewelry or like special mm-hmm. objects. It's going to yeah. get passed down. And I love that. Yeah. The first one where I realized that as a process was I sent a knife to Australia and I was like, I've never been to Australia, but there's like a piece of me that's going to live longer than me that now exists there. Yeah. And it was cool. like, it was wild, you know, it was probably 18 years ago or something. Mm-hmm. Did you ever, do you remember a knife maker? I think his name was Jason Cutter. And I think it was like, possibly like almost like a stage name. That was not his real name. He was like around like, like knife network and some of like the mm-hmm. early forums. Yeah. I don't remember that. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he was that... the one who ordered the knife, but. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Inter- international shipping has a weird feeling to it, especially because now there's so much data on e-commerce. I mean, I'll go on my website and look at who, even just website traffic, who's on there and the international side of things. I don't know what it is, exactly what you're just saying. The thought of, it just feels like a different planet because I've never been in a lot of places. You know, I yeah. haven't been very far out of the country. And so just like even communicating, maybe it's a DM with someone who knows who you are from another country. There's It's a just different feeling. You know, it's, it, it, I mean, legacy could mean a lot of things, I guess. There's name recognition is pretty cool. But mm-hmm. I, I guess what I would say is that's like, like current context. Right? Yeah, I, I guess what I would say is like if no one was continuing to make the things. Yeah, that doesn't bother me, but it would yeah, be cool the, for the, the things that I did make to be remembered, if that yeah. if that makes sense. But the only the only area where this this that doesn't hold is if I were to like pass away early. So I've worked really hard to figure out ways 
like for my, you know, like life insurance. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Have that. Um, one of the really cool things about like, you know, working with CRKT, you pass away, like Maddie and the kids would continue to get checks. Right. Yeah, that feels fantastic. good. That feels good to someone who's made the majority of my living with my hands to know that my hands created something that will live beyond me yeah. in like catastrophe. Oh yeah. That, that adds a huge, a huge different aspect to it as if, yeah, if my family's still relying on me, then I, I hope everything I've done can give them some gravy for years. Well, and, and also the, this idea of like, so we, we have these communities, we build, we build these networks and these relationships. I told Maddie, I'm like, if anything ever happens to me, she's got all my sketchbooks. I'm like, you have the relationships. I'm like, one, like she'd probably reach out to you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'd be like, okay, so you're going to like, you're going to reach out to TJ. You're going to reach out to CRKT. We're going to figure out like, you're going to continue to submit. Well, you know, (laughs) we should, we should form a bond right now. Like if anything ever (laughs) happens, then we'll just, we'll, we'll create like a cameo design situation. You know, I love it. I'm into it. And same with, same with tools. Um, where I'm like, look, if, if something happens to me, like don't have an estate sale, like you reach out to the people that I know and you figure out how to price the equipment you figure Mm -hmm. out like where those, where those things go. Or like if there's things makers that I'm friends with that like want a piece, like you want a grinder out of the shop, you know, this stuff I think all ties in with like the idea of, of family and kids. Mm -hmm. I look like, the idea of like, I pass away and my kids get left my shop. If the shop's not important to them, there's no value in that. Yeah. Right. Like how many times do you see that estate sale where it's just like, everything's going up mm-hmm. and it's someone's entire life. Mm-hmm. I never want to put that burden on, on my kids to be like, Oh, like this, this dad stuff, like it's important. I think it would become important if we can include them in it. Yeah. And like the process um, kind of separate tangent, but, um, you were talking about traveling. This is another area where I think including kids in the business in a way that is interesting. So a few years ago, we went to the knife festival in Maniago, Italy, mm-hmm. and we took Bo and oh. we spent two weeks in Italy and like, he got to be part of that. Um, so I think about shows moving forward as the same way. I'm like, well, if we can go do you know, a show in Paris, that's an area where like, it makes sense that I take my kids, they get an experience, they see the industry in a different way. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Well, and it, it, it kind of finishes out that cycle of like, it, again, going back to the metaphor of the garden, you know, right. it's like, show them this is, this is the person that bought the knife right here, you know? Right. Yeah. Here's the tomato yeah. we grew. Yeah. Like here's where it's going. Yeah. So yeah, it's like there, there's, there's this organic kind of flow to it where I think without directly teaching them about business or a, a lot of elements of kind of what we're doing, I think it, it just becomes so into, you can integrate them into it. Will you, uh, will you start teaching Delta CAD? Oh yeah. That's yeah. like a I, given, right? Uh, yeah. T- technology. <laughs> I mean, say what you will about technology, but my kids are going to learn a lot of technology for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, f- I feel the same way. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so like, what is, what is play? And it's like, okay, cool. We're going to go play and build toys on the 3d printer and the laser. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, cool. You, you like, you drew a block. Let's go make that block. Well, you, you hear about kids like, that, you know, people that became like some kind of dot com success or Silicon yeah. Valley, you know what, 
almost universally happened. I don't know this for a fact, but I've heard several accounts of this where it's like their parents were into computers and they got to start typing code in when they were 10 years old. Right. And by the time they got to college, they hadn't even, they weren't even teaching coding in college yet. And they already had a foundation and they started doing it. Boom. Bill Gates. You know what I mean? Like not, I'm not saying I want my kids to be that. I'm just saying that exposure to the cutting edge now just tease right. them up it, it, whether they use it or not, whatever. But well, and that's, that's kind of like, that's almost like this futurist thought process that we can engage in, which is really fun, which is like, okay, we make things the way that we make them and with our understanding and like our interest coming in. But in that we know that the, this is going to get like weird and heady, but like you understand that there are things that can be created that we may not even think about. So like, I don't know how to code. But I know that there's coding camps for like eight year olds or, or younger at this point. And I'm like, cool coding. I wish I learned that if if the kids have any interest in it, it's like, cool, you're going to learn a skill set that I can't teach you. But I understand like the value of mm-hmm. how does that like relate into making or like, I don't know. It, I think it's it's like learning to ride a bike where you're you're being supported for a while. And then all of a sudden you're like. Like I saw my dad's creativity, but I took it in my own direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So it's like, if all I can kind of convey to my kids is like, life is balance. Like work is not the most important yeah. element of your entire life. And you can do what you want. I will feel like I've done a pretty yeah. good job probably. Well, and, and another thing is like, uh, it's an Elon Musk quote. Anything that is learnable is learnable on the internet in this modern age. <laughs> Basically, I mean, yeah. with few exceptions, but you can become extremely well-rounded on your own if you're just curious, yeah. you know, and so that comes down to curiosity, which, you know, that's that's kind of a uh, cliche with kids. It's like feed their curiosity, but I think it's but it's not it's got to be like the most important thing, right? Like, I think, yeah, just in general that like understanding what they're going through is as a lot of it is curiosity. Mm hmm. I think, I think it reframes it in a way where you're like, okay, cool. Like, let's just expand on that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like Winston's two right now. And and that's like one of my favorite ages because like daily you can just see the amount of like growth and like what they're figuring out. And then they get so psyched when like something works and you're like, well, yeah, that's like ridiculous. Like you're in, you can't do anything. Right. And then all of a sudden, like you opened the doorknob yep. and you're like, what like as a yeah. metaphor that's huge yeah. you just opened a door delta figured out all our gate latches so we had to <laughs> i screwed pieces of chain on all the posts and put chain and carabiner so there's the latch and a carabiner and i'm just watching i'm like when's she gonna figure out that carabiner i know it's yeah. coming because it takes <laughs> carabiners are a little next level you know over a latch so it, i know it won't be long and then i'll have to think of some other weird latch system just you're just creating puzzles yeah so we had here's here's like a funny kid story that like is like kind of a bad parenting moment also but like i'm going to bo's room one day and he's like i was like what are you doing man he's like i'm building a trap i'm like okay cool (laughs) and he's like he's like messing with his dresser and string and like whatever no problem it's like i'm gonna preface this with saying it is a very light like ikea dresser that is not tall Mm mm-hmm 15 minutes later, we just hear this crash. <laughs> we go in, Bo had tied all his drawers with string and then pulled the string. 
all the drawers came out changing where the dresser balanced and, <laughs> and it trapped him. And I was like, well, Oh geez. That is, I was like, there's the lesson. Like yep. you created a trap and it worked. Yep. Learned the lesson right there. <laughs> so yeah, I was like, okay, this is why people bolt everything to the walls. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it, it's yeah. The, the so, There was a phrase someone told me one time that it sounds dark, but I kind of like it. It's it's that parenting in part is supervised failure. The supervision is important. Yeah. But yeah. letting your kid do something stupid is beneficial, even though it sounds like you you said that's a bad parenting moment. But I, I would argue that, I mean, like you said, it wasn't, you're not talking about a, a situation that's truly deadly or something, right. you know, but d- failure that is within reason is a good right. thing with kids. Right. Well, and what is a teachable moment? Like I struggle a lot of times to like not over teach. Mm-hmm. Like in my brain, I'm like, everything's a teachable moment. Like, let's get into this. Mm -hmm. No, like, no, like sometimes you just need to like, let it be. But there are those things like, you know, that was done. I was like, all right, that's, it's like, this is why this is like, this is why we have to like pay attention to what we're doing. Or like, this is why when, when dad says not to do something or to like, be careful, like, this is what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Like, how could we have done that different? Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. I don't know. We're going to get into a lot of it, I'm sure. But. It's overall, I feel like our system is working pretty good. This is something that I would love to hear. Like if anybody listens to this and this is something you guys have experience with, like I would love to hear feedback. I'm listening. We're listening to like so many parenting podcasts and like big little feelings and like, you know, good inside with Dr. Becky and like trying to like wrap all this around the idea of like being an obsessive essentially inside of a craft. Mm-hmm. And doing it at home, which I think is right unique for you and I and some other people is that some other people we we're like in the environment where our kids are raised is where we work also right that's it that's an interesting uh, I think we touched a lot of a lot of the ups and downs of that on this podcast. would you say though that like I mean the idea of going to work is a fair is like a relatively modern concept, you know what I mean. If you look yeah. at like the history of people working, I would guess that for a lot of time, I mean, farming in a, like agrarian society is probably the easiest way to like wrap that. Right. Where you're like, you're a rancher, you're a farmer, you're, it's the same thing. We're just working in a shop, not well, in like a yeah. pasture. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's an American creation, I think, because it's the industrial revolution and the factory the assembly line. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I don't know that it's totally American, but America was basically built the last century on that premise of, you know, right. the nine, nine to five. But like, I mean, just circling back to my war history understanding is like Japan, for example, in the forties during the war, they would build the parts for aircraft and such in their houses. So people would be, you know, you'd be the one like I'm assembling carburetors for aircraft engines and they would give you the little things you needed. And like, they'd give you a cart and you'd like roll it down the street to your house and you and your family would be like putting together carburetors and then they would roll it on a cart like down the street to where the guy would put the carburetor on the head. And then the guy, and it, it was literally like the town would like just make it, make all the parts and stuff. I and, think culturally uh, that's still common mm-hmm. depending yeah. on the industry. Like I know that's true for elements of like the knife industry in right. different areas. So you have like Seiki city yeah. or you have Toledo or Maniago or Solingen. There are home industries that surround manufacturing right. industries. Right. And I think less common in the States. Yeah. I think it's just the States went full on 
factory efficiency, you know? Uh, and so that's the, yeah, we, we're, we're, we're seeing echoes of that and whether it's permanent, whether it's fading, I, I don't know. That's a, that's a whole nother podcast. Well, I, think, I'll tell you that. I think a lot of, I think a lot, that is another podcast. That's like, a, we just do like, that's a, a, good one. like a history of work. That's a good one. Like, <laughs> I have to research um, a little bit, but that'd be fun. That would be fun. Um, some of like the, like Western concepts around like work and drive and parent like i don't know if parenting actually ties into this but like the that that desire to put work above all else mm-hmm. i think is like a fairly western concept yeah you know yeah. Yeah. um like i don't know it's not island style i don't think right right there's some it but it is it's it's hard when there's a there's a passion level because like left on my own devices, I'm probably just gonna like hang out in my shop. Mm-hmm. If I was like if I was a bachelor, I'd probably have like a shouse. Yeah, you know, no. and I'd live above my shop and I'd I've just thought make the same stuff. Thing. <laughs> like, I thought the same thing. You know? Just buy an acre, put a giant steel building on it with like one <laughs> yeah. insulated thing up at the top. Yeah. Yeah. You're just like yeah. a grumpy old retired man, like yeah. who's 30. Yeah. Like <laughs> I got my got my coffee machine over in front of my CNC and yeah. My toaster's over by the, the lathe. Yeah. Like, yeah. Still right. sounds pretty good, actually. Yeah, it does. <laughs> well, no. So well, here, here's another one. Kind of a, just a general, for the rest of the year, I know you're super busy. Do you have, do you, have you like created some space like for your family or like travel or like an area where you can like fully detach from work to spend we, time with your family? We go to my wife. I, I married in the Wright family because her grandparents on both sides were old time Idaho folks and they bought cabins in Idaho back when it was dirt cheap and they still have them. And so we go to those cabins very frequently. And so that's kind of the getaway for the family. And, and it's ca- frequent. Yeah. Camping will be a big one. Um, but the, the, like I said, with a little baby, the cabins are kind of better for that. Yeah. But yeah, we, we very frequent. Like we got married at one of them. I mean, last summer was a little different because I mean, I think it kind of got away from us, which I was bummed about. We just, you know, got busy and all that, but this summer has been good. And generally going to those cabins is we do it a lot, a lot, a lot. So very, very common. So that's, that's our escape is go to the mountains, go to a cabin, or maybe like, uh, we've even rented a, you know, a hotel in a nice little quiet Idaho mountain town or something. We we did that a couple month ago or so. Nice. Uh, Yeah. That's, that's our thing. Nice. How about you? Kind of here and there, like we're, we've got a coast trip planned with some friends that have kids. Um, we're going to try to get out at this point, family, like we haven't, we haven't traveled to see family. So like my dad's down in New Mexico, um, Maddie's family's out in Massachusetts and down in LA. So we're, we're like overdue for like some kind of like family trip. So we're trying yeah. to figure that out kind of for yeah. the fall. Um, Sounds I'm getting fun. ready for a show right now which is up in Portland. Um, but I'm just doing one show this year. The cutting back on shows is fully around kids. Yeah. It's go. just right now it's Maddie and I do this thing a lot or, or have this same like, yes, but later that comes into play a lot where it's like, Oh, that's a great idea. But later. Yeah. Um, yeah. so it's fun to yeah. do, but not too much, not too often. Yeah. So yeah. trying to figure out like, trying to figure out like a family centric workflow mm-hmm. that's still satisfying for me and Maddie yeah. and like financially viable, yeah. but like trying to utilize some of the flexibility that like we created. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah. 
I've got I've got a final question that everyone okay. wants to know for you. Okay. At what age are your sons getting their first knife that they get to Bo, keep? Bo, Bo, knives are really. Oh man. Okay, let me back into this one. Um, I like tools and weapons. Weapons being used loosely, like thinking about like firearms, based around function not fantasy. Mm-hmm. So the idea of a knife, like day-to-day life for us, like Bo doesn't need a knife in the house after school to like look at. Mm-hmm. Does have, I bought him a couple of Mora knives um, for when we go camping. Mm-hmm. When we're camping, he has a knife and he's learning to use knives. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really feel that like the functional aspect is like where you get the respect for yeah. a tool. Yeah. Um, Making and sure using it's... it. Yeah. I think growing up for me, I think a lot, I did a lot of like fantasy based, like play and planning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just realized now I'm like, man, the, the, the things that I really enjoy are the things that I use. Yeah. Um, and the context use is, is what context is key. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but I think four, four, like four and a half, he got his yeah. first knife. Yeah. That sounds reasonable. Yeah, we've I've got Delta. I got her a, a Victorinox fake kids folding knife. I mean, she's nice. only two, so she's nowhere near. But I, we got her a, uh, some vegetables that are made out of wood that you cut with a wooden knife and stuff. Oh yeah, so our kids had those too. Starting to get her into that. So well, you got like so. Um, Bo and Winston both go to a little like a Waldorf school, and they have like they'll do they'll make like soup on Thursdays, and they cut the vegetables with like a little plastic knife. But it's real interactive. So they've got, they've got a, they've got plastic kitchen knives and then Oppenel actually makes this super cool kitchen knife called the little chef. That is like, they both had that for probably close to two years. That's my favorite thing because it's, that's a knife used in its like best capacity, which Mm -hmm. is you're capable and you're caring for others. Yeah. that's badass put put to real real use. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's put to real use. And it's like, okay, you're not like cutting a seatbelt or like, you know, cutting your way outside of like a, a, an airplane. Yeah. But you're using it to serve cucumbers. Yeah. That's cool. It's pretty cool. All right. This was a, this was a fun one. (laughs) We had to, we had to work for it. I don't know if you guys knew we had a technical difficulties and all this. So we're happy to, to, to have sat here and had this conversation it was a fun yeah, one nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah so cool hope you guys enjoy it um to sound very podcasty leave us a review share the podcast yeah i want to see where this thing wanna, goes want to hear um, what you guys leave think. Us some questions yep yeah yeah we love it and uh appreciate cool. you guys we'll see you around bye-bye take it easy